a good matter of Shabbos. Pasha's boy. It's one of those Shabbosim that you just have to sit and spend the time deciding what not to say. Very frustrating. It's the week of Tzias uh, Mitzrayim. So much chizik in so many different areas that we need. So many doses of inspiration. But I had to choose one. So I want to maybe follow up a little bit on the theme that we began last week. Last week we spoke about how begamani shamati, as we do chesed, we inspire the world around it. Tonight I want to focus how by a person doing chesed and showing you how that was a prerequisite for going out, he actually makes the world better for everybody and for himself. When you do chesed to someone else, you inspire that person with the story we shared last week, with the chaplain who inspired the commander. And I want to show it to you how it's mamash in the parsha this week. It's a pasach chumash, according to the Vilna Gaim. In this week's parsha, Kishbar, who commands Klal Yisrael to go borrow gold and silver from the Mitzrayim, from the Egyptians. Klal roll says, how's it going to be? Moshe says, go. Klal didn't want to, and we went. The Vilna Gain says, that's not what happened. It's amazing. We all learned that story. And the Vilna Gain says, look at the psukim, you'll see that's not what happened. Hashem does not command them to go borrow from the Mitzrayim. First, Hashem says they should go borrow Ishmerei Ehu. Everyone should go to their friend. The Egyptians were not called Re'ehu. Chazal tell us all the time Re'ehu is a fellow Yid. Says the Vulnagai, this whole story is, is strange. The Pasuk says, Moshe says, go and borrow from your friends. I thought we're borrowing from the Mitzrayim. Says the Vulnagai, an incredible, incredible idea. That usually... Kajbahu says, go borrow from your enemies. The Yin looked at Kajbahu and they said, What are you? How, they're not going to lend us a thing. Kajbahu says, I hear you're right, they hate you. But let's try to get them to like you. And Kajbahu says, says the Vulnagai, this is how he learns Pshat and the Psukim, go borrow from each other. Even when you don't want to lend each other. And by you working on yourselves and borrowing and lending each other, you are going to inspire the Egyptians to lend you as well, even though they don't want to. Because goodness inspires and breeds more goodness. So the pshat of Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them how they can inspire Egyptians who have such a deep hatred for us. But if we go ahead and we'll be mischassed with each other, so he said, go borrow from each other and then watch. The Egyptians will see how kindness works. They'll follow suit. We're supposed to be an inspiration for the nations of the world. And when we'll be kind one another, they will be kind to us. And that fits beautifully with what we shared last week. We learned this lesson in this week's parasha. You know, I have a question. I'm going to, anyone feel free to ask at your Shabbos table this week. Ask your kids, or whoever you're with the Shabbos, to, which is the most difficult, which they think 
was the most difficult of the ten makis, of the ten plagues. I assure you that the first nine will not guess this one, which Chazal tell us. I can think of every single one, but the one that Chazal say, I, 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 I definitely don't think it was the hardest. So I can't, I don't have the opportunity to go around the room and ask everyone to guess. But Chazal say, the hardest makkah was makkah of chayshech, it was darkness. I'm not saying it was pleasant, but it's hard to me. Yeah, frogs, if you'd like, I can go through all nine. I think chayshech was painful, it was a pain. I don't think anyone can say it was the hardest. And one of the great magidim, of Shabsi the Levitch explained, you know why? Because it was the makkah that they suffered alone. All the other makkahs, yes, there was blood oozing out of everywhere, but they they had each other. Tzvardeya, each other. Chishech, as I'll tell us, was pitch black. Everybody was alone. That was the most difficult. You know why? Because there's nothing. There's no inspiration to continue. There's no one helping anyone else that inspires you to help. It just, it, it doesn't create that vibe of chesed, that culture of kindness. And we learn from that that the prerequisite to going out of Mitzrayim. What was the prerequisite? People don't know this. The first Pasuk in Parshish B'Shalach, beginning of Parshish B'Shalach, it says, V'chamushim olu b'nei Yisrael, Klai Yisrael went out, chamushim, fortified, or many different ways to translate it, because I'll tell us it means they went out five times bigger than themselves. For those of you that know, four-fifths of Kalal Yisrael, of the men of Kalal Yisrael, died in the tribe. That means every Jewish family adopted four families to get out of the tribe. And that's what it means. Vachamushim, says Chazal Medrash. They went up with five families instead of one. And that merit they got out because everyone took four other families under their wing. And guess what? You think everyone did it at the same time? Some people went ahead. Maybe some took eight. Chatoir is testifying, no. Every Jew took five, four families on his own. It wasn't. Some people took eight families. Some people took none. There was a ruach of chesed. And that's who's got us out. Everyone said, I'll take, I'll take four families. I'll take four families. This is the key of creating a good shul, a good community, a good school. Chesed breeds chesed. When people see chesed, it inspires. And you get chesed. You know, there's a very famous story. It was told many times. Rabbi Krohn tells it. It's, it's already... Uh, the storytellers got their hands on it already. About a wedding hall in Eretz Yisrael that had two floors. It's called the uh, Wolf, Ulam, Ulame Wolf. A very wealthy man, Mr. Wolf, donated it. It's run by a chesed organization. It's so-called Yad Eliezer. It's uh, affordable weddings. It's um, There's a cap on the weddings. There's two halls. There's, uh, upstairs and downstairs. The upstairs is a little bit bigger. Downstairs is a little bit smaller. And they're both very affordable not for not rich people. Happened to have been a certain day that a caller called up and she got the bigger hall. Obviously, everyone likes the bigger hall. And the next caller called and they said, no, an hour or two ago was taken. 
And the second Kala really wanted the bigger hole. She was having family. And she has the guy, I have to tell her she had the chutzpah. I don't know how to say this another way. And she called the other Kala and says, I know you were first, but you're just two hours first. Can I please have the bigger hole? And the other Kala says, no, I'm sorry. Eh? We want the bigger hole. She says, but it really means a lot to me. I have a lot of cousins from abroad. People are coming. I really need the bigger hole. The other Kala didn't need it, but it was nice. It's a nicer hole. It's not a basement. It's an upstairs. Her initial response would be the same as all of ours. Or most of us. No. I called first and I'm not a status. Too bad. Lamai said, Kyle is sitting at home two weeks later and she turns, she's talking to her parents. She said, we don't really need the space. Her parents are like, no. To be honest, if we would have gotten the basement hole, we would have been just fine. So she said, this color really wants it. And her parents said, listen, we'll respect any decisions. your wedding. She decides, what do I need? She calls back the other Kyle and says, I have a wedding present for you. She says, what is it? She says, you can have the top hole. I'm going to take the cheaper hole. Now, again, the holes were, I have to say, they were, the bottom hole was cheaper, and the upstairs hole was more expensive. And she said, hey, well, no big, there wasn't big money. But she said, I'll take the lower hole, the basement hole. This collar that gave it up gets a call, mamish a week before her wedding. She says, I, just confirming, you're the collar that's getting married in which hole. She says, well, we switched. I'm getting the, I'm taking the smaller hole, the cheaper hole. She says, well, today's your lucky day. There's a wealthy Jew in America who's making a wedding. And he called me up. He wants to marry off a, you know, a less fortunate Kala today. And we have the cheap hole, the chesed hole. So, so I said, there's two Kalas. So he said, what are this, you know, the holes? There's a cheaper one and a more expensive one. He says, yeah, there's one a little cheaper. He says, I want to, I want to pay for the chasna of the cheap one. I assume she has less money. And she went ahead and he paid the full chasna of the of the of the lower chasna, which means this this kala had her entire wedding paid off, all the money for her whole wedding her father gave her. She put it in her pocket and went home. What's the chance such a story? Person does chesed, and they go ahead and a kodesh gives you back chesed. We have to understand it's it, it, the Torah is not just you do an action in a vacuum, breathes. I don't want you to know something even more. When you do chesed, Kosh <coughs> gives you the opportunity to continue doing chesed. And you will watch how opportunities will open up. And I want to finish with a story. And for those of you who were in shul last Shabbos, I shared this story. And um, it, it was, I got such feedback from people I know many, many of the women on the call here don't have the opportunity to come to shul. But I shared a story that's exactly three weeks old today. It was two weeks old when I said the story, and now it's about three weeks old. And people are very, very moved by the story. I'm going to say it a little bit quickly, but to make a very long story short, there's a, a young woman, unfortunately, when I say young, a woman in her 40s who got the early dementia. I'm a young woman with kids at home. In her mid-40s, and she went, unfortunately, she had to be put into a home. She has zero recollection. She has no idea what's going on. And she's in a home in Muncie called Metropolitan uh, Rehab, a uh, nursing home. And obviously, right as she went in, she had a lot of relatives in Muncie. She lives in Williamsburg. With her. And obviously, people came to visit and visit and visit. But you know how it happens. Unfortunately, she doesn't know what's going on. Hopefully, everyone just stopped going to visit. And it didn't really make a difference to her, unfortunately. There was one sister-in-law 
Rela Knafla, she lives in Muncie, and she was very bothered. She says, what do you mean no one's going? She's going to be forgotten about. The nurses aren't going to just let her or whatever. I'm not letting. She made a commitment that six days a week, Shabbos is too far. Six days a week, she's going first thing in the morning to visit her sister. Every single day, no matter what. Sure enough, every morning she went. Every morning she went to her sister-in-law, said good morning. She washed her negovasar. She said moidani. She said shema with her every day. She finished and she went to work. She went straight to work from the nursing home every day. Now, this Mrs. Knuffler, this unwell woman, had a roommate, an elderly woman named Helen Levy, very old woman. And the other younger, the healthy Mrs. Knuffler, system, kept on trying to engage her. And she asked him many times, are you Jewish? And by the way, Metropolitan's a Jewish nursing home. I happen to know uh, the guy who owns it. He was in yeshiva with me. And she she says, are you Jewish? No. Are you Jewish? No. Every day, no, no, no. So, you know, she wasn't, uh, you know, fine. One day she says, on a Friday, this happened Friday, Parshas Vayechi. She was very her boy. Mom is three weeks ago. She goes, <coughs> and for some reason... Some puts into her head. She goes over to Helen on her way out. She says, Helen, are you Jewish? She goes, I'm not Jewish. She says, Helen, could you tell me your father's name? So my father's name was Mordechai. Mm-hmm. Helen, what was your mother's name? Rivka. She says, Helen, if your father's Mordechai and your mother's Rivka and your last name is Levi, which part of you is not Jewish? She says, Shh, don't talk so loud. They're going to come get us. Unfortunately, 80 years after a Holocaust, Helen Levy, who was a survivor as a young child, was never told anyone she was Jewish out of fear of the Nazis coming to get her, unfortunately. But she, at this point, she had no relatives, nothing. I guess once she asked her, she trusted this lady and she broke to her. She's Jewish, but promised her to secrecy. She says, Helen, I won't tell anyone. She asks her, can I wash you, Negovasa? She says, yeah. She washes her negovasar. She says, Moidani, can I tell you, you'll say after me? She says, and she, Helen rattles off the whole Moidani. Then Helen rattles off. She says, Shema. Helen finishes off the whole Shema. She says, Helen, I didn't know you were Jewish. She goes, shh. She says, Helen, I'm going to work now. It's Friday morning, Kachavis. Helen says, Kachavis, see you next week. Sunday morning, Mrs. Knopfler walks in to Metropolitan. And she sees they're taking a stretcher covered over with a sheet. Her heart pounds. Something doesn't seem right. She says, she quickly runs to the room. And the nurse confirms her worst fears. Helen passed away that morning. And she stops the people taking her. She says, can I ask you, where are you burying her? She says, oh, she's not getting buried. She's getting cremated. She says, why? She says, because we have a, when you come into the nursing home, you fill out a paperwork. Cremating is the default. If you're Jewish, then you get burial, but she, she pulls out the paper. She's not Jewish. Mrs. Knuffler starts telling them, I promise you, she's Jewish. She told me Friday morning she's Jewish. She says, sorry, it's not on the paper. She runs to the office of this uh, Mr. Klein. Mr. Klein says, I got a problem here because everyone has to fill out paperwork. She filled out that she's not Jewish. And you know, what gets the city involved, cremating is default. I don't know all the legalities of it, but it's complicated. So... What do you do when you, when you need help with this? You call the chesidim. Mrs. Knafla calls a group of people called Chesed Shalemes Meis Mitzvah. Group of Yidin and Mansi 
who deal with Mace Mitzvah. Mace Mitzvah means people who die without any relatives. She goes ahead and she calls them down. These are the kindest people in the world. They bury people that have no money and no relatives. They have a base of cards. If you ever go to the Catskills in Liberty, New York, it's right on the 52. I've been there. People that have no relatives, a whole bunch of people with no children, no spouses, most of them Holocaust survivors, and they get buried there for free. And let me tell you, the authorities know better than to fight with the Chesidim, and they're able to secure the body. And Monday morning, Pasha Shmeis, Helen was buried with Kavuris Yisrael. Could you imagine a woman? And there's so many different lessons, and I shared a different lesson last week from the parasha. But why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu allow, this is months after Mrs. Knopfler was coming in every day in Helen, that she should break Helen's secret. Friday morning and Sunday she should be, and she, one thing, and she walked in the exact second that the stretch is pulling out. You're talking about Ashkoch Pratis beyond. Why? What schuss did Mrs. Knopfler have that because of her Helen Levy is not eternally cut off Oilam Haba by being cremated? Which unfortunately means there's zero Oilam Haba for you. For the, for the person. Chesed breed chesed. She went ahead every single morning to her sister-in-law and she didn't break. And she didn't throw in the towel. And she didn't, she said, I'm going to do chesed. Now Kosh said, Mrs. Knopfler, you do chesed? I'm going to throw a big one in your lap. I'm going to throw you a chesed that eternally there's going to be a Halika Yiddish woman, Helen Levy, who never knew, never told anyone she was Jewish till the day she was nifter, where it was all set up. Chesed breeds chesed. We left, and it says the Pasuk, we left armed. Guard. Why did we leave? Because we adopted other people's children. It was in that school. And remember the Vilna Gaim, by us borrowing we got that lesson that even the Egyptians were inspired. Kosh should help us all in the schus that we will be mischased one another. But not just, to, but listen, someone's going through something. We'll take it on, we'll feel it. We were told by the Torah that that's the key, that we'll raise Hashem, get out of this bitter gullus. Everyone have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos.